Welcome to episode 374 of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And we're doing a video interview today. So if you'd rather be watching my guest and myself, as opposed to just listening, you can head over to YouTube and type in We Don't Die Radio 374. A reminder that our home base is wedontdie.com. And every month we offer empowering classes, including psychic and medium and others as well. We also do a free Sunday gathering complete with a medium demonstration in each and every one so that you are inspired for the week. And we give you everything we've got so that you know that well, death is an illusion. Life goes on. Your loved ones are still around and your life here is what counts. So today on the show, we have psychic and medical intuitive, Julie Ryan. Uh, other titles she holds are businesswoman, inventor, author, serial entrepreneur. She's a wife, a mom, a grandmother, a sister, an aunt, and of course, a friend. During her 35-year career, Julie has invented surgical devices that are sold throughout the world, and she's founded several companies in the medical, natural gas, advertising, long-term care, compliance, and data breach prevention industries. Oh, she's one busy lady. She's also the author of Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life into the next. And she's got three children's books, all called Angel Messages. Her website, and you want to remember this because she's got some free gifts she just told me about, is AskJulieRyan.com. Julie, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thanks so much. I'm so delighted to get to meet you and, and spend this time with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Your bio is a mouthful. You've done so much. Can you just kind of give us the, well, if there is an abbreviated, abbreviated uh, version, but how you got into what you're doing? Because I, I, we don't often talk to somebody who's a medical intuitive. Yes, absolutely. Well, as you mentioned in my bio, I'm a businesswoman and an inventor. So I tell people I'm a businesswoman who learned how to do woo-woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. So we do medical and I do medical intuitive stuff, talk to deceased loved ones, scan pets, facilitate healings, past lives. Gosh, I can tell how close to death somebody is, all of the above, communicate with spirit, angels, the whole nine yards. So I was always interested in medical stuff right out of school. I have a degree in communication, interestingly enough. I'm not a medical person, and but I can hire people who know medical stuff. And so I was interested in that. And I'm not one of these psychics who's had dead people chasing her since childhood. I learned how to do all of this stuff. And I teach people throughout the world how to do what I do. And I had a friend give me the book, Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace mm-hmm. for my birthday a long time ago, decades ago. And I read it and she called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? I'd never heard that before. And I read her book and I wanted to know more. And back then, Sandra, we didn't have the internet yet. So I did the old fashioned thing and I went to a bookstore and I found uh Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, PhD, who's a former NASA physicist who parlayed very complex quantum physics information into understandable English for the layperson brain. That would be me. 
And I wanted to know more. So I found a graduate of her program and trained with her about 30 years ago now. Incredible. And you've maintained working. Well, I haven't, I haven't really focused on what I call the woo woo space, uh, except in the last five years, I sold my medical device manufacturing company and I have other companies that are still running that are kind of run themselves. They take just a little bit of, of attention from me. And so I do this pretty much full time. Now I talk to clients from all over the world all day and do my show on Thursday nights and write books and do trainings and the whole nine yards. And it's a blast. I am having a ball doing this. I tell you what, I never expected to be doing this full time, but it's where my heart is and where I need to be and what brings me the most joy. So I can totally get it. Well, you're an onion waiting to be pulled, uh, peeled right now. So I don't know where to even begin. You're into a lot. First, you just mentioned your show. If you can talk a little bit about that and then just let's get into the meat of what a psychic medical intuitive does. Okay. All right. My show's Ask Julie Ryan. It's every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And it's a syndicated radio show that then we take the commercials out of and we release as a podcast. It's also on YouTube. So it's anywhere you download podcasts. And it's a ball because people call in from all over the world and they ask Julie Ryan. And they asked me to scan them medically. They asked me to facilitate energetic healings. That goes hand in hand with the medical intuitive stuff. They want to talk to deceased loved ones. I had a guy that a gentleman that called in last night, his wife had died yesterday afternoon. And he called me a few hours after his wife had passed. And we talked to his wife and he had some specific questions that he wanted answered. And so we got him answers for that. I have people that call in and they they want to talk about their pets. Their pets aren't well and I'll scan them and do a healing on them or we'll we'll talk to the pets telepathically and they'll tell us what they want to hear or what they need to make their lives better. Career advice, love life advice. I had a woman call in last night wanted love life advice. It's really fun. It's a ball. And it's every Thursday night from eight to 10 Eastern. Well, when you first started getting into this and you you first started doing training, what, what unfolded first? I mean, uh, clearly you believe in the afterlife, but did you always, I mean, what, what happened that was kind of like the tipping point and what was the first step into this woo-woo world, as you call it? Uh, I, it was the medical when I read Dr. Brennan's book, It was because I was inventing surgical devices and manufacturing them. I came to manufacture them. And so I was always interested in healing. And I thought, oh, gosh, if we can add this energetic component to it, then that would make sense. My mother years before, and and I I had been initiated into Reiki. I didn't do any classes or anything. I was just initiated into it. And I, I had a situation where my son was a toddler and we were visiting a friend and he fell and skinned his knees on the patio. We were outside with several moms and babies and he was crying and I was on his, he was on my lap and I had my hands on his knees and I was comforting him. And I thought, okay, well, I'll see if I can shoot some energy into him and 
make him feel better. His knees weren't bleeding, but they had little droplets of blood on them when you skin your knees. So an hour later, Sandra, I put him in his car seat to go home. There is no trace of skin knees, none, zero. And I thought, whoa, maybe this step works. Maybe, whoa, this is this got my attention. Fast forward a couple of years, my mother had surgery in another state at a huge university hospital. And she told me she had a lot of pain and the nurse came in and did Reiki on her. And I thought, here's my ultra conservative mother noticing that pain is alleviated with this energy healing. And I thought, okay, I need to know more. So when I was given those books and when, when I found Barbara Brennan's book, really it was the medical thing that led me into, okay, if I'm inventing these devices to trying to help people heal, maybe there's another part of the equation that might make sense. And I genuinely was just led People said to me all the time, why are you doing this? Why are you taking these classes? Why are you educating yourself on this? I said, I don't know. I'm just really interested. And that's how it came about. So now I'm like a human MRI. I can scan anybody anywhere in the world. In my mind's eye, I see medical conditions. I can see broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, cancer, bacterial infections, whatever. And then I watch energetic healings happen. I believe it's spirit working through me and with me. And the healings can take the, the place of the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I watch procedures all the time that emulate what I saw in the operating room for all those decades when I was inventing products, testing prototypes, training reps and surgeons and nurses. Sometimes I see healings that utilize methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. But little did I know all those decades ago that I was being led to do this because there would come a time in my life where I would be doing it and helping people all over the world, helping them heal. Sounds pretty miraculous. It's it's really, it is, and it's also fascinating and it's fun because a lot of the time the, the impressions or the visions that I get when I'm scanning somebody are hilarious. Like something when I'm, when I, when I'm resequencing DNA, I spirit working through me and with me. When I, I did this this morning with a client, she was a cancer survivor. We went in and we resequenced several strands of her DNA, took them back to a normal sequence, normal recipe, if you will. And so I was describing that nice. And I always say, when I'm watching DNA get healed, I watch strands of DNA come out of an X chromosome because everybody has an X and they look like pieces of paper you'd find inside a fortune cookie with the, with the fortune written on it. And I watch the letters of the DNA get resequenced. And then I watch it snap back into the chromosome. When it's done, I watch the chromosome go back into the body. And I do this all the time with cancer patients. And we stay several steps ahead of the cancer mutating if they're they have active cancer and they're in uh, treatment, you know, with chemo or whatever. So that's just one example. The stuff I get to see is amazing. Tell us about a little bit more about healing because I know we humans all will end up taking our last breath. And I know my dad, is, we tried absolutely everything with him and he still passed. Many years later, I realized that he needed to go the way he did for me to be where I am and for us to be talking today. But there are 
different degrees of healing or different kinds of healing, aren't there? Like if there isn't a big physical shift or could there be a emotional or some other kind? All of the above, actually. When I am explaining this to somebody for the first time, who's a client, the way that I perceive things, Sandra, is that we're spirits attached to a body having a human experience. We've all heard that. But I take it a step further in that that energy that makes up our spirit and makes up our body is encased in what I call the energy field membrane. And that's the container that holds that energy. And it reminds me of really thin, stretchy saran wrap, the kind that industrial saran wrap you used to use probably when you were a chef, the the saran wrap that you get when you get a tray of chicken breast from the grocery store. You know, that stuff's thinner and stretchier than the saran wrap in the glad wrap box, perhaps in our kitchen drawers. So when I am working with somebody on a medical situation, I'll get them on my radar. And again, I'm like a human MRI. It's like I've got this big screen TV in my head and I'll shoot envision shooting energy through them. Something will be identified. There'll be a healing. I'll do it again. Something else will be identified. There'll be a healing. And over an hour, we'll get to multiple things. Most of the time they're related. Sometimes they're not. People will say, okay, my left shoulder hurts and my right ankle and my stomach. Okay, we'll hit all of those areas. And then I always go in blind first because I want to see where the energy is going first. Because oftentimes we'll be heading off a problem at the past and perhaps it's asymptomatic and we'll take care of it before it, it happens. So back to the energy field membrane, my analogy for this is imagine going to the pet store and buying a goldfish. They're going to put it in a plastic bag of water in order for you to get it home. Well, if you have a picture of that in your mind's eye, the fish represents our spirit, the water, the the fish represents our body, the water represents our spirit because the body's inside the spirit, the spirit's the power source for the body. And then the plastic bags, the energy field membrane. If there's a pinhole in that plastic bag and water's draining out a drop at a time, For a long time, that fish is going to be just fine. However, when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. So if there's a hole in somebody's energy-filled membrane, I'll envision going into it, and I'll be shown a scene, and I'll be given a year of something that either happened in this lifetime or a past lifetime. As soon as it it is illuminated, it's an energy block is what's coming up. As soon as it's illuminated... It eradicates it, allows the membrane to heal, allows the body to go back to working on full power. And what's illuminated is fascinating because sometimes it's something very simple, like somebody called you a bad name when you were little and it hurt your feelings. And we think, well, that's no big deal. What was a big deal to your three-year-old little self when it happened? Mm -hmm. My favorite dramatic story, however, was with a client who lived in Guernsey on Guernsey, it's an island off the northeast coast, off the northern coast of, of England. And I saw this vision of her as a preteen, and there was a big explosion behind her. And I said, does that make any sense to you? And she said, yeah, I was the victim of an IRA bombing when I was 11 and spent three months in the hospital. And I wow. thought, all right, that qualifies as a dramatic thing. So as soon as we illuminate it, it eradicates it and then allows that membrane to heal. Back to your peeling an onion analogy. I'm about, let's get the onion out by the root instead of 
psychotherapy, let's peel the onion a layer at a time. I want to get it out by the root because that's where the energy block started and all the other emotional energy that's piled up on top of it over a lifetime is, is removed all in one fell swoop. That membrane heals, helps the body heal, helps the body maintain health because it's working on full power. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I need to say about that. When did the afterlife come into this? And when you realize that, oh my gosh, I can actually talk to people's loved ones here. Pretty early on when I was starting to study this, and I talk about this in my book, Angelica Attendance, there's a whole chapter of how it came in. I was led with the medical. That's most of the work that I do because people want help. They've been to a bunch Mm -hmm. of doctors, but certainly a big percentage of the work that I do is talking with deceased loved ones and all that. I was raised Roman Catholic, 12 years of Catholic schools. I know, I know you can relate to that. I read that in your book. And so we're brought up as little children, the guardian angel prayer, you know, angel of God, my guardian dear, you probably said it to, to whom God's love commits me here. We said that every night. So As a small Catholic child, I was brought up to believe in angels, to believe in saints, to believe in the Holy Spirit, all of that, which I think lays a foundation that allows one to jump off if it's something that they're interested in into exploring it more. We all have the ability to communicate with spirit. We all do it. We're just not aware of it sometimes. We've all had this situation where We think of somebody and all of a sudden they call us or they text us or they email us or we run into them. That's your telepathic abilities. That's your your intuitive, your psychic abilities at work. We most of us have heard throughout mainstream media something referred to as, well, so and so is with their husband now in heaven. One of my favorite stories is about when George Herbert Walker Bush died, the Bush 41, the president, former president of the United States. His wife had preceded him in death by a few months, Barbara. And when he died, his granddaughter, Jenna, was being interviewed. And she told the story about her five-year-old who came in and Jenna was crying because her grandfather had died. And her little girl said, mommy, uh, Grampy, whatever they called him, Grampy needed to be in heaven to help Grammy decorate the Christmas tree. So here's this five-year-old that understands that we're spirits and we go to heaven. And she's consoling her mom with that information. We all know it. And I think it's just an eight. Beautiful. Well, before your next, the next question is tell us about your books, but I want you to tell everybody about the gift first, because that way people don't have to write too much down <laughs> to go find it. That's right. About I'm, the gifts. I'm delighted to, to send any of your listeners who's interested a free copy of my book, Angelica. Here, I have them here. I'll feel like Vanna White, you know, or, or you know, on the price is right or something. Yeah. Angelic attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next. And if you have kids or grandkids, we have three choices. We have angel messages for dogs, which is the newest one. Angel messages for 
Oh, that was cats. Here's dogs and here's kids. And the fun thing about these is that the illustrations are just darling in them. And it and they're fun books and they talk about how when your cat or your dog or your grandmother dies and the angel messages for kids, you can still communicate with their spirit. So it validates the child being able to communicate because we all, as I mentioned before, and you know, this have the ability, but we start to shut it down at the age of about seven ish or so, because we have grown up say, Oh honey, that's just your imagination. That's not real. Or a teacher or a friend going, Oh man, you're weird. You know, what's wrong with you. And so I've had mothers throughout the years say, please, please, please write a book for children. So I can explain to my child, how can they communicate with my deceased grandfather? Who's been dead for 20 years. And they know information that we can validate. How do they know information about past lives? This kid can't read yet. And he knows dates and times and other information that there's no way he could know. And then my favorite is how do we explain to little Susie that grandma's in heaven when she says, no, mommy, grandma's asleep up there in that box when they're at the funeral home, you know, for the visitation hours. How do you, how does that, how do we present it so that it makes sense to a small child? And that's, that's the point with the angel messages series of children's books. Oh, what a blessing that is too. Because imagine a world where kids grow up believing this, not that it's an imaginary friend or getting that turned off so young. So that's fun. And how about your big kids book? My big kids book, Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens. We do, we do have illustrations in that too, which are just the, the 12 phases of transition. When everybody's dying, what I, what I found, Sandra, is that there's a lot of information on the afterlife out there. There's a lot of information about grieving, but not much about what happens as we're actually dying. And that's what people are are very afraid of. Mm -hmm. And when I work with someone who has a loved one who's dying, I can tell how close to death they are based on what phase of transition they're in. I have coined this process that we all go through the 12 phases of transition. And it's a process where we're all surrounded by deceased loved ones and angels and the spirits of deceased pets. And as the configuration changes, we start off angels surrounding us in a circle, opens into a horseshoe, eventually opens into a straight line across the foot of the bed. For instance, if somebody's lying in a bed and I can scan somebody anywhere in the world and all my graduates can, and we can say, we can tell, okay, they're in phase seven, they're in phase nine, they're in phase whatever. Why that's helpful is number one, it gives us an idea of how quickly they're progressing towards death which is helpful to the family, especially if they're taking time off work or traveling a long way to be with the person who's dying and the rest of the family. Also, it's helpful because it provides so much comfort to the family. And also people, the gentleman who called into my show last night, he said, my wife read your book and she and my daughter have been on a marathon listening to your show because it gave her so much comfort knowing that this was happening. And I know you know this, but some of your listeners may not. University-based research shows that 
close to 90% of people at the end of their lives report seeing the spirits of deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets as they're approaching death. So I always say, I love it when science catches up with woo-woo. Woo-woo has been around a lot longer, and now they're able to validate what we've known all along. It's special. It's special. All the investigations I've done on that and so many people in hospice that have worked in hospice know those stories and they're people, they can see them around in the rooms. And then also they have really clear, lucid dreams about their loved ones. And um, on one of my past shows, I talked about a man who living would always make his grandmother's spaghetti sauce, but there was always something missing. He never quite got it right. And the month before he passed, he had a dream and his grandmother was there. And she says, I always put a tablespoon of sugar in it. Ah, that's what I was missing. So he was well enough and he worked with his wife to make that last pot of spaghetti sauce, which perfect. But there and they passed, but he got the answer and she was there and she gave him the recipe. How sweet is that? Well, uh, stories are endless. One of my favorite stories is about a man who was dying and they took him off life support and they thought he'd go quickly, but two weeks later, he's still hanging on. And I can communicate with the person who's dying telepathically, even when they're unable to communicate anymore. Because communicating with spirit is the same, whether the person's where the spirit's connected to a body or not, it doesn't matter. It's still all energy. So this gentleman, Sandra kept saying, I need him to file my quarterly estimated taxes. And his daughter said, oh, for God's sakes, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So after two weeks of this, she called me and she said, please, what do we need to do for him to go ahead and go? So I was, I'm talking to him. It's like a long distance psychic conference call. You know, I'm talking to him telepathically. I'm talking to her on the phone. And he said, I need her to file my quarterly estimated taxes. She said, I don't even know where they are. He told us they're in my bedroom, in the desk, left drawer on middle drawer on the left, whatever. I said, just go to his house. Just go see if they're there. She did. They were signed. The check was written. It was in the envelope with the stamps on it. She dropped it in the mailbox on the way back to the hospital And then she got to the hospital. He died a couple of hours later. Well, come to find out, she was the executor of his estate, which was fairly substantial. By that being postmarked on that day, the day that he died or before that, it saved her all kinds of headaches with trying to settle his estate. So that's just one of endless stories of communicating with someone when they're dying. I always ask three questions. Are you ready to go? Are you in pain? And what do you need? And there are many stories in my book about what do you need? And some of them are really touching. Some of them, they're all touching, but some of them are hilarious. And some of them are just, you just think, oh my gosh, you can't make this stuff up. Oh, so when we go to your website, askjulieryan.com. How would we get the copy of the book or the audio? Go to the Ask Julie tab and just say, I, hey, I heard you on Sandra's show. I'd love a copy of the book and we'll send you a, a digital and an audio book version. That is so sweet of you. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank and you I, for and I, hope, I hope that it not only comforts 
your listeners who've lost a loved one and perhaps are still grieving. But also, we're all going to die, and we're all we're all going to lose people. So knowing this information up front really helps people get through it and make sense. Grandma's not hallucinating. Grandma can really see little Fluffy that she had as a puppy, you know, when she was eight. Grandma's now ninety eight, and things like that. And Grandma can see her mother, and Grandma can see other family members and friends who have passed. Talk to us a little bit about pets, because as many of us have loved ones, I tell you that unconditional love with a furry friend or feathered friend or I'm thinking of a guana scaly friend (laughs) (laughs) or scaled friend. I don't know. They can be even closer than the love we feel to most human beings. Do you have any stories about pets? Oh, yeah. My own mother. When my mother died, there were lots of that's the first time I saw these 12 phases of transition. And it's important to note, too, that everybody goes through 12 phases, whether they die very suddenly, like in the case of a homicide or a suicide, or whether it's prolonged out over days, weeks, months, years, because time doesn't exist in the spirit world. You know this. Time is a human creation. And so the blip of a radar may equate to a hundred years in our lifetime, but it's not even a nanosecond in the spirit world because time doesn't exist. So pet stories, when my mother was dying, this was the first time I saw the 12 phases of transition. And I saw the dogs, the late dogs that we had, the spirits of the dogs that we had when I was a kid growing up. I was like, what? And these dogs were there. And then there were other animals whose spirits were in the room as well. And some of them I didn't recognize, but at my mother's funeral, her brother came in and I was describing some of these different animals. And he said, oh, that's Rowdy or that's Stanley, the dog, the German shepherd, or that's whomever. It's really fun. I can always tell if somebody grew up on a farm or if they live on a farm now, because oftentimes there are farm animals in the room. And I'll see horses and chicks and ducks and cows and pigs. And I'll describe what they look like to the family. And the family will say, oh, yeah, that's Bessie, her cow, or that's whoever. And it's really fun. And it gives people a lot of comfort when they know that their their deceased pets are around. Something else that I find really interesting is back to the Catholic thing. Mm-hmm. There's a prayer said at the end of every Catholic funeral called in paradisum. And it talks about how the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. That's what I see with the 12 phases of transition. And so I have to believe I, when I was writing the book, I did some research to find out when did that in paradisum prayer originate. And I learned that it started as a fifth century Gregorian chant. So perhaps it took till the fifth century till somebody, people were learned enough to be able to read and write. And certainly some of the most well-educated people back then were men living in monasteries and they were the record keepers. Along those lines, my main spirit guide is a dead Pope named Pope Clement VI. And he came in one day when I was with my mentor, she was doing a healing on me. And I, he showed up in his whole Pope outfit, the hat, the whole nine yards, the vestments, the red shoes. And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Clement. 
And I said, there's a Pope, there was a Pope Clement. I never heard of a Pope Clement. He said, yeah, I was number six. I said, okay, fine. How can I help you? And he said, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies. And I started laughing. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People will think I'm nuts. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on with it. So I get in my car, Sander, to go home. And I Googled him. Come to find out this guy was in office during the Black Plague when two thirds of Europe died. And he's best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. So he's my main spirit guide, has been ever since. And he, I laugh, I say, he treats me like a Nike ad. When I tell him why I can't do things, he says, yeah, just do it. And I do. And then he's right. So yeah, kind of a fun aside there. Oh, so great. We all want to believe that we've got guides and that we can tap into more of our soul potential. What kind of advice would you give people? Do you tell people to meditate? What do you, what do you say? I say, ask, ask questions. Mm. Who's my spirit guide? You're going to get an answer. It's going to come in within a second, as fast as you can snap your fingers. If you think about it for more than a couple of seconds, that's going to be your brain talking to you. Everybody can talk to spirit. It's that easy. That's all you have to do is ask. A couple of ground rules. Spirits are very literal. So if you're looking for advice, be very concise, be very specific on what you want. Example would be, hey, grandma, am I going to enjoy the movie? Spirit's always going to answer correctly. They're always going to give you a correct answer and you hear yes. And then you're watching some movie on TV tonight. It's atrocious. You say, grandma, what's up with that? Well, the way you ask the question could pertain to any movie you watch throughout the rest of your life. If you had asked the question in a manner such as, hey, grandma, am I going to enjoy watching Frozen 2 on Disney Plus tonight? (laughs) That's the difference. So if you're looking for advice, be very specific. And it's that hard. It's super easy. Anybody can do it. I use the analogy of it's like Bewitched, the TV show. Most of us have have either watched it as children or watched reruns. And so Samantha Stevens, the main character would yell mother and her mother and Dora would come in or she'd yell Dr. Bombay or Uncle Arthur and they'd come in instantly. That's how it works. Our heads are big satellite dishes. They receive and transmit frequencies. Every spirit has a frequency they keep throughout all of their lifetimes. So to connect with them, all you have to do is think of them and it connects your frequency to theirs. Whether you knew them or not is irrelevant. You want to talk to Moses or Aristotle or whomever, it doesn't matter. Think of them, you're immediately connected to them. It's that simple. Hmm. Well, when we transition, I believe, and I think you do too, that we retain our personalities, our sense of humors, all those good things. Do we have to learn things like I've heard of halls of knowledge or, or do you think that we're given all the information in the universe? I think we have access to all the information in the universe. I don't think we have to do anything. I think we choose to explore things. And I find that the personality will be presented to the loved one left behind with whom I'm working to let them know that this is really their deceased loved one, because we live many, many, many countless lifetimes. So we have just different personalities in each lifetime. What I've experienced and and what I've seen is that the personality stays with the body 
when somebody dies and all spirits are pure love. So people will say to me, well, I don't want my mother with me, my mother's spirit with me when I'm dying because she was awful. She was abusive. She was whatever. And I'll say that was her personality in that lifetime in which you knew her, but her spirit is pure love because all spirits are pure love. Mm, Very good. I think the biggest answers we're going to get are once we get to make the trip ourselves. Um, I think there's some degree to our human minds that we can't possibly get the big picture. Oh, but I absolutely do know that we are so much more powerful than we think. And it's so easy to buy into the illusion that this life is everything. You know, I often say that down to the tiniest little molecules and atoms that are within each one of us, all we are is vibrating, vibrating energy, you know, and it's mind boggling and and the ever expanding universe. They just shot up that, that web telescope that's going to (laughs) see so much more than the Hubble, this ever expanding universe. So I don't think we're meant to get it all. Um, Any advice on living life powerfully? Pay attention to how you feel when we're in alignment with our spirit, which again is pure love. We feel neutral or good. When we feel badly, it's based in fear. We all come in with an internal GPS system. It's called emotion. And As I mentioned, every spirit has their own frequency. Every thought has its own frequency as well. And it comes in from the ethers. Thoughts come in from the ethers. They do not originate in our heads. And they're broadcast on something similar to what we would understand as a radio station. Listening to classic rock on 94.7, that's 94.7 megahertz, the frequency on which that music is being broadcast. So our internal GPS system tells us when we're in alignment, when we're out of alignment, when we feel badly, whether it be anger, fear, jealousy, boredom, whatever, it's all based in fear. But what you want to do is you want to figure out, is this a real fear? Is it a fake fear? To your point a moment ago about it's all an illusion. It's like we're playing a a part in a big production of a play or a movie. What we want to do is we want to be able to discern what's a real fear and what's a fake fear. So here's the technique I came up with. I call it the two minute rule. If you have, if you feel badly and something's going on, you want to ask yourself, is this going to kill me in the next two minutes? It's a yes or a no answer. The answer is yes. That's a rational fear. Get out of the road before the truck runs you over because it can hurt you or kill you. If the answer is no, it's an irrational fear that's false based in a limiting belief that's false. Limiting beliefs just don't have enough information. And so as soon as you do that, you disconnect that frequency, you get back into alignment because curiosity is based in love. Curiosity is interesting. It's fun. You want to know more and it works great. So pay attention. We're, we're taught most of us as little children to control our emotions. And what we need to do is control our thoughts because thoughts are coming in. Thoughts don't have any power unless we focus on them. And when we, when we feel badly and we stay focused on those thoughts, we're trying to control a situation that's an illusion and we stand a hamster wheel and nothing changes. So the two minute rule, make it a habit. It will rock your world in every area of your life. 
It's free and it's convenient. It works anywhere your brain is. Uh, it's not going to be too much. I wouldn't think that would kill you in the two minutes. So exactly. oh, that's good. How about life purpose? Now, I'm of the idea that throughout our lives, our interests change. And obviously with everything you do and have done, that's the case. But there's a lot of people that buy into this, why am I here? And I don't want them thinking, grandma, is this my life's purpose? Waiting. Is this my life purpose? We all have free will and we all have choices to make. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. And it unfolds as we go forward. We're here to have the human experience, to your point earlier, about we're not supposed to know everything. If we were, we wouldn't have the human experience because we'd already know everything. And so life's purpose unfolds as we live life. And if you pay attention to how things feel and you get back into alignment, then spirit can communicate in the form of, "Hmm, maybe I'll check this website out. Maybe I'll call this person. Maybe I'll join this philanthropic organization. And who knows where I'm going to, who knows who I'm going to meet or where I'm going to go or whatever, just a step at a time we create as we go. I believe that we all come in, we choose who, where we're born, when we're born, to whom we're born, and the circumstances into which we're born so that our lives can have a basic trajectory that will allow us to explore and experience things that our spirit wants to explore in this lifetime. And I do a lot of past life work with clients. And it's interesting when we do that, because we see things that resonate, things that are similar throughout multiple lifetimes. That's a very generalized script. Like, I want to be a teacher. Somebody's spirit wants to be a teacher. Well, there are a bazillion ways you can be a teacher. You don't have to be in a classroom, in a school system. And so we'll see that go through multiple lifetimes. The analogy I like to use for this is think of Hamlet. Hamlet, how many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in 1603? Who knows? Who knows? Hang on one second. I got to plug in. I forgot to plug my my, um, computer in and it's starting to tell me it needs juice. Excuse me. One second. Okay. We all need juice. We're back. So um, Hamlet, each time it was performed, different location, different language, perhaps different timeline. What was happening in the world? Who were the actors? Who was the director? Who was the costumer? Where was it performed? On a stage? In a park? What? All the same script, different perspective. And so that's what lifetimes are. We come in, we explore things through a different perspective each time, and we create as we go. When we're done creating, we go back to heaven and we dream up something else that we want to explore. And we come back and we create that. So I find that some people believe that we come in with a script of, okay, you're going to do this and then that's going to lead to that and it's going to lead to that and you're going to live here and then you're going to move to here. And then that's not how it, we don't come in with a roadmap. We come in with something that's very basic and then we create it as we go based on what we're interested in. Pay attention to how it feels. If it feels neutral or good, proceed. If it feels badly, investigate. Is this a real fear? Is it a fake fear? If it's fake fear, you it reduces the fear enough that you can move forward. And then you can take a step and then you're led. 
All beautiful. Well, we've got a few minutes left. What are you passionate about? What are you doing? What else do we need to know about? AskJulieRyan.com. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, my classes are a blast. I teach people from all over the world, from all walks of life, how to do all this woo-woo stuff. So that's fun. And the the most fun part about this, Sandra, and you're a businesswoman, so you'll understand this, is this is the first thing in my life that I haven't had a business plan for. I mean, I have always had a business plan or measurables or, okay, we're going to check this and see how this is working and all of that. And certainly a lot of that's innate. Mm. I don't have people writing reports. I'm not reading reports. I'm just following where I'm being led. And it's the most fun I have ever had in anything that I've ever done. It's just a ball. And I get to meet amazing people like you. And I, and I get to learn about all kinds of different different societies and how we're all talking about the same thing. Perhaps it's just presented in a different way. And when we're supposed to be exposed to it, the timing will be perfect. So just trust that you're going to, the people you need to show up are going to show up when you need them. And, and it all unfolds perfectly because it always does. And I think we're in the perfect place right now. There's no sense crying over spilled milk or thinking of regrets and failures and stuff of the past. It's all good learning experiences. And no matter how old you are or where you are in life, it's the perfect time, right? Well, and we create out of the contrast. When we know what we don't want, it helps us create what we do want. And that's how our spirit expands. That's how all spirits expand. That's how the whole collective consciousness expands. And when we're done exploring and done creating, we go back to heaven and we cook up something else that we want to come explore and come back in another lifetime. Well, speaking of cooking, it's time for me to get dinner on for my mom and myself. Julie, thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, I'm delighted. Thank you for having me. So there's a lot to find at AskJulieRyan.com, right? Lots to find. Um, send a message and get a copy of the book or books, right? Your children books. Children's yeah, if books you have kids or grandkids, we'll be happy to send you those as well. Gosh, you're an angel. Thank you so much, Julie. My pleasure. Uh, and for our listeners, our viewers, I really hope these are empowering for you. I know. I've gotten some responses from people and they are hard to believe this is episode 374, but our home base is we don't die.com and people need people. And if you're a Facebook user, there's a Facebook group that you can see at the top of the screen. You can join that. You can come to one of our Sunday gatherings. I can't say enough good things about that. Free, no strings attached and just filled with joy. We also have so many online classes if you scroll to the bottom of the page, um, you'll see what's my email list. It's called my Insiders Club. And if you just put in your name and your email address, um, there's a couple of gifts you get as well. You get a copy of my book because I'm much like Julie. We don't want anything to stop you from getting this information. If you'd like to buy a hard copy later, fine, but you don't have to. Also, there's a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief, and there's more things included as well. I don't think I've got anything else. It's very rare, Julie, that I'm just speechless, but I'm just happy. I feel just uh, tickled pink that we got to connect today. 
So in closing, everyone, don't forget to check out askjulieryan.com. What a beautiful soul you are, Julie. And my name is Sanders Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Diet Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. It is time to ask yourself that fear question and to really check in with those feelings and set your own compass for you where you want life to go. There can be joy. You're surrounded by a magnificent group of people, both living and not living, that are your cheerleaders. So when you take that last breath, you'll be greeted by everybody, even your pets, really. So you want to make the most of this life. You really do. So I want to thank you for listening or for viewing, and we'll see you soon.